Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Gabriel Talks Football is a production of the Barroom Network. Make sure you follow Greg on Twitter at G-G-A-B-E football and follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. If you prefer to see the video version of this show, just go to YouTube and search Barroom Network. You'll see a list of our live shows and Gabriel Talks Football is there. Welcome everyone to a fresh and highly anticipated episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. A quick programming note regarding Bears coverage Tuesday night. It will be Bear There Are Souls with Dan Aguirre and myself. And Dan has officially said that this season is over. He doesn't expect another Bears victory, so we'll listen to him. But we also have a very special guest on that show, Bob Tucker, who was an NFL Films producer, cameraman, and writer. He is going to join us to talk about his new book and some of the great films he did with NFL Films. So join us tomorrow at 8 p.m. Central for some misery and NFL Films talk. Let's see what the great Gabriel has in store for us because he sent me a text before we went live saying, I am pissed. Let's find out what he's pissed about. Greg Gabriel, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Life in general. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) Same here. Same here. A lot of questions already in the chat, but I want to get to your immediate thoughts about the game overall and what has you so pissed off. You know, I don't know how to put this. I've been patient. I learned how to be patient because I spent so much time in the business, you know, and, and, and you've got to let players develop. Sometimes they develop a little slower than others. In this case, yesterday I put up the white flag and with, with Justin Fields, I'm done. Wow. He, um, that game was theirs for the taking. There's one reason the Bears lost that game, and that's the quarterback. Okay, now you you can look at a couple little things. First series, uh, Brisker drops a a potential interception. Mm -hmm. I tweeted right after they always come back to haunt you, and they do. And and, uh, there's a little backstory to that because I, you know, years ago I would have when grading the play, I would have graded it as a good play for um, the defense because he got a broken up pass. Right. When I started working with Lovey, that changed. Lovey said, no, it's a negative play. You drop an interception, they still got the ball, and they can still score. What mm-hmm. happened? They scored. They only got three. But they scored, and they used a lot of clock. He gets the interception. They have the ball, what, the 35-yard line or something like that? Right. You know, you know you, you're going to get something out of it. So it's a negative play. Come back the next series, then, then the Bears go down and score. It's the only good series they had all game. Well, you could say the, the other series they got a touchdown it was, a, was a good series. But then, like uh, – the, the series, second field goal series, mm-hmm. they're down to the 24-yard line. Fields goes back to pass. He doesn't have one guy open. He doesn't have two guys open. He has three. He has 
about five, six yards out. He's got DJ Moore along the left sideline. He's got Scott coming across the crossing route about 18 yards deep. And he's got Roshan doing a, who came out of the backfield doing a seam route all alone, eight yards behind the nearest defender for a touchdown. He didn't see any of them. How do you not see that? Unbelievable. It's like he's wearing blinders. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what it is because it's it's his third year in the league, so he's, he should know how to, you know, know what he's looking at and make a quick decision. And then it's his second year within the scheme. Right. So that part, you take that part out. You, have to, you had an offseason, two offseasons to work with, with the scheme. You got some new players in there um, that have – gotten pretty much up to date in the scheme. How about, you know, they, they, they've thrown Robert Tanyan like one pass in two games. This guy yeah. caught over a hundred passes the last two years in mm-hmm. the exact same scheme. So I, I just, when I saw that, and then a couple times in the second half, there was guys wide open again. And I, I'm like, I never scream at the TV, but I was at home all alone. It was just me and my dog. My wife had, had taken my granddaughter to a, some play, and I'm screaming at the, at the TV. My dog's getting all upset. He thinks I'm pissed off at him. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he keeps coming over to me, and I go, no, no, it's all right, Bennett. So, uh, but that was it. I, I, I gave up. I said, it's now, it's the second game of year two, and we haven't seen an inch right. of improvement. And so I finally said, you know what? Not happening. If it's me, I'm going to Tyson Bajan next week. Next week? Next week. Kansas wow. City. Wow. I mean, they, will they do that? No. But um, you know Nate Peterman isn't a starting quarterback. No. Nate is a backup who can get you out of a game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, But Tyson Bajan, he showed – stuff in the preseason like shocked me totally shocked me i wasn't expecting anything yeah. you know from his division two background and then you look dude, he's played more games than anybody he's thrown more passes than anybody he's more yards than anybody and more touchdowns than anybody right. i don't know who it's against the numbers are the numbers and then when you compare his play and, and you know i watched all of stroud's play now i'm saying a lot when i say this he outplayed stroud Young and Richardson in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Yep, he did. That's no doubt about it. Eric asked uh, that JT O'Sullivan brought up that Fields looks lackadaisical, slow on his dropbacks. He drops back very, very slowly. You know, I've always been taught back, back to the days of Bobby Douglas and Vince Evans, quarterback in the Chicago Bears, that you take your three, five, or seven-step drop quickly so that way you can set up and look downfield without having to run or anything. Fields is going back really slowly, like he's very calm, like he's taking a sedative. Have you noticed that? And is that a problem that he might be going back slower than most quarterbacks? I, I don't know if that's leading to the problem. And and be honest, I haven't noticed it okay. like some of the other people have. But, you know, I'm going to say like the sacks, bunch of sacks yesterday. Most yeah. of them were on him, not the yeah. offensive line. I agree with you. Okay, now, Wright got beat bad one time. 
and Braxton Jones got beat bad one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, there were bad plays on those guys' part. But the other times, the, the, if you want to call them covered sacks, but they weren't covered sacks. Those are quarterback not getting the damn ball out of his hand. They're, mm-hmm. When their receivers are open, throw the ball. I don't know what it is. If it's like he's afraid of making a mistake or is it, you know, I, I just can't see it. And people say, well, maybe it's the offense. No, you know what? If he throws the damn ball, you got plays. Mm-hmm. So how? So why is it the offense? You, you can bitch a little bit about play calling. You can do that with other 31 teams in the league. Yeah. But you got to make the plays. Got to make the plays. I totally agree with you, Greg. If you've just joined us, because I know a lot of people are joining us live, Greg has announced that he's – uh, fair to say, done with Justin Fields, or your confidence level in Justin Fields has hit I'm rock done. bottom. I I I'd replace him. Okay. Um, I, by the way, you're not the only one. There's a growing chorus of people who are done with uh, Justin Fields. Alex Brown yesterday on the uh, NBC Sports Chicago after the game show. He has to play better. It, if not, I mean, we're it, this is it for him. This, this has to be the last year for him here, and it's very sad because we really. We're looking forward to this year and him taking that next step. Now, we're, we are at game two. It's just I haven't seen anything that makes me excited for, well, hell, I know it's going to happen in game three. So let's go to game four, and I ain't seen anything yeah. excited. That, that makes me excited to the point where I was prior to the season starting. It's all been downhill, and it's like, gosh, if we come out and we don't look like we're ready to play against Green Bay, we Go down to Tampa and a Baker Mayfield team. Hell, Baker looked like a way better quarterback. Baker Mayfield did look like a better quarterback. <laughs> yeah, but you know what Baker does? Mm-hmm. He gets the fucking ball out of his hand. Exactly. Or he runs, right? Well, he he uh, he, he did a pretty good job avoiding sacks. I'll tell you what, now, Ngakwe had two, like, sure things, and, and he made a miss. Yeah. He did. So a lot of people are saying, listen, this is, yes, Justin Fields is accountable for some of those errors, but you give him a different offensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator who has had like success with a Lamar Jackson, and you get him running and you get him playing to his strengths. He's not a pocket quarterback. He can't see the field from the pocket. So you structure the offense to his athletic strengths. Then you will have at least a team that is competitive week in and week out with their offense. What say you? Sooner or later, he's got to learn to pass from the pocket. That's what you got to do in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And I, I just came to the conclusion, and I'm not changing my mind because it's it's like – this he's not a rookie, but he's playing like a rookie. Yeah. Okay. I'll go back to to, to Bajan in the preseason. What was the first thing you noticed about him? He got the damn ball out of his hand just like that. Yeah. And, and it and doesn't so matter. Like it doesn't matter if it was second stringers or third stringers. Technically, he was doing what a quarterback should do. Right. And and so and it's not that I'm jumping up and down for him. It's like. Come on, this is year three. You know you got to get rid of the ball. Mm-hmm. How and, and and you think how hard is it? You know you put on the end zone view and you look at it. And you see that guy's open. That guy's open. You know I throw him the ball in my head. Why doesn't he throw the ball? Yeah, that is that is an area of concern. Tyler Scott coming across on that one play was mm-hmm. open for about fifteen yards of running. 
yeah. for him. I mean, just coming across, nobody was on him. Mm-hmm. And that's the same play that Roshan, you know, DJ was was open in the in the in the flat along the left sideline, and Roshan was open for a touchdown on a seam pass. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Willis doesn't quite agree with your opinion on this. He says he doesn't commit the holding penalties, the false starts, and not getting stops on third and long. The defense, you know, uh, impacts the quarterback play. Now, it is true that there were a lot of times on third down where it was third. At one point, it was third and 24, third and 10, third and eight, and on and on because of penalties or because of whatever reason. And that certainly is going to impact quarterback play. What say you? that what is happening around Justin Fields is negatively impacting his play. Uh, I I don't agree with that because it's his job to do his job. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happens on the other side of the ball has nothing to do with his play. Now, and I'm not making excuses for the defense. I thought the defense played a little better, especially in the second half. Mm-hmm. They played pretty deep. They, it was because the defense held them in the second half. They were able to get back in the game. Hell, they had a chance to go down and win the game on that yes. drive, and he throws a pick six on a, on a stupid screen pass. Mm-hmm. The um, But think about this in the secondary. In the whole first half, you were out three starters. Yes. In the secondary, both safeties and your nickel guy who's on injured reserve. Mm-hmm. That's going to screw up anybody's defensive backfield. Indeed, indeed. Um, yesterday, his number, Justin's numbers were 16 out of 21 for 211 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. The week before, he was 24 and 37 for five yards more, 216, a touchdown, and an interception. What we're and, and in both games, he was sacked. Uh, over, let's see, four times in game one and six times yesterday. It is quite the problem for the Chicago Bears. But and I'm going to say four out of those six were on him. And I agree with you, Greg. Yesterday on our after the game show, Danny Shimon said it was two. And I said, well, I don't know what you're looking at. Four times this guy was this this guy should have gotten rid of the ball. And he it, the sacks are on him. Yes, the offensive line is not one of the premier offensive lines in football. But the quarterback has to help him, them, just like they have to hey, help him. Turn it around. How many times did Baker Mayfield have pressure on him and, and get the damn ball out of his hand to make a play and end up having a positive play? Be well, it three yards, five yards, or whatever. I'll show you. Pressure versus Mayfield. Yannick Ndakwe and Andrew Billings each had three. This is according to Courtney Cronin of ESPN. Two for Demarcus Walker. Each, Rasheem Green, Justin Jones, Strowman, Dominique Robinson. They each had two. That's like like 16 pressures. Exactly. Next-gen stats, though, to Mayfield's credit – uh, says Mayfield was 14 out of 17 for 223 yards when he will end a touchdown when he was under pressure. So why can't Justin Fields perform at a similar level is my question. Even if he performs at half the level. Thank you. Yeah, and that, I, I'm going to say it again. That game was for the taking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All he had to do was be confident. And he couldn't do it. That's that's right. 
Ah, well, and it was good to see DJ Moore get more involved, er, and he got involved early. Six catches, only seven targets, though. If you double those targets to, you know, 14, 12, 10, you know, he could have had a, a an even much better day, but it seems like he's ignored sometimes, even though he's open. So he was six for seven on receptions and targets, 104 yards, zero touchdowns. Um this wide receiver core is loaded with weapons. Darnell Mooney, I don't think he saw a target he, all he day. He didn't get a target. Yes, I was thinking the same thing. What the hell happened to him? Yep. You know, but see, and, and I'm not saying I'm not putting it on Mooney. I'm not mm-hmm. saying these guys don't get open because when you watch the tape, they're open. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, and, and and you can't always put it on the offensive line because. If the guy's sitting back there for five seconds, they've done their job. Get the goddamn ball out of your hand. Mm-hmm. I told you I'm pissed. Uh, you are pissed. I love it because uh, I think every fan in Chicago is pissed. They may not agree with you that it's all on – not, and you're not saying it's all on Justin Fields, but they may not agree with I you. I am. <laughs> Go ahead. It's, it's, on. it's on him. He's got to get the ball out and say, hey, you heard Alex say it. Alex said the same thing I did. Mm-hmm. What's he done to instill any confidence? Yeah. And like I said, I was patient, patient, patient. And then after yesterday, I just said, no. I mean, because I, you know, I watched it right after I watched, I replayed it. And I go, it's awful. It's just, this was all on him. That was a win. Yeah. He prevented that team from winning. Coach T, uh, one of our new analysts at the Barroom Network, said, if you were to have an offensive coordinator who's had a lot of success in this league, he would definitely get more out of this offense because you've got the players. You've got a loaded running back room. You've got a loaded wide receiver room. While you don't have the outstanding offensive line, you certainly have offensive linemen who you can work with. Well, Cody Whitehair just can't play the left guard spot anymore. He's getting beat up two games in a row now. Very true. Okay, so he might be able to play the center spot. And he did it during the preseason, but he's gotten beat bad a few times in in the last two weeks. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe you put Jatari on on the left side when uh, uh, Nick is back, and and go from there. Wait till Tevin gets back. Tevin's he got two more games without Tevin before he can play, mm-hmm. but. White hair can't do it. Yeah, he can. And next week you got Chris Jones who's got fresh legs because he didn't take part in training camp, so he's mm-hmm. ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna. It's it, it. Everything is pointing to a disastrous uh, performance on Sunday for the Chicago Bears. Um, what do you say for those people who are calling for an in-season firing of Matt Eberflus? His record is 3-16 and as head coach of the Chicago Bears, 0-2 this season, and that includes 12 straight losses. Um, your evaluation of Matt Eberflus? No, I'm not, I'm not firing the coach. They're, they're, they got a – you know, they're buying into the quarterback – they had a buy in the quarterback. Those guys got the job to buy it, you know, for buying into the quarterback. And they had to give them 
all the opportunity in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I've, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of this. If I was still working at Hallis Hall, if this was when I was there with Jerry, what would I have done this morning? Mm-hmm. And the first thing I would have done was walk across the hall from my office into Jerry's office and, and say, let's bring in Lovey and we got to make a change at the quarterback position. And here's why. Because you're going to have two high picks in the first round. Mm-hmm. What if you don't need to take a quarterback? What if Tyson Bajan is the guy? Mm-hmm. Okay. You have to find that out. Now, some people say, oh, it's too early. There's only two games. Well, the other guys proved he can't do it. Do you think there's a chance we could see Bajan versus the Chiefs? I think that they're going to probably go another week. I, I, I mean, Ryan Poles isn't a fool. He knows what he's saying. I got a lot of respect for Ryan. So, I, you know, and he's sitting up in, in, in the in the press box or in a box watching the game. Mm-hmm. So he see, you know, he can see the whole field. You know, he mm-hmm. sees it better than the coaching staff sees it. And so, you know, that he's he's I'm sure he had a few things to say. I'll put it this way. I'm sure he had a few things to say on that four-hour plane ride back last night. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And I posted something up on uh, social media the other day saying that this this is a problem that Kevin Warren, the new CEO and president of the organization, has to address. And at the very least, he needs to call a meeting with Ryan Poles, the offensive uh, coordinator and defensive coordinator and the head coach, and start a dialogue. What is going on? What is wrong? How do we fix it? And maybe the conversation steers towards Justin Fields. It's the biggest problem because he can't execute this offense that we, we're, we're doing, and we're afraid to have. And what, what is also happening, Greg, and I'm sure you can talk about this at length, is that defenses are now boxing Justin in. He talked about it after the game. He can't get outside to run on these RPOs, you know, where it, it was such a huge strength for the Bears offense for that six-game period last season. He can't he can't run anymore. And so because defenses have figured out how to bottle him in. So the, the, this has to be – Kevin Warren has to step in and get answers from this group. So that way he can make a better decision to see if these guys are real problem solvers or he needs a new coaching staff. next. I season. don't know if I totally agree with that only because I, you know, now since Kevin took over some of the structure could have changed. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my experience is with Ted, but Kevin's not involved in football operations. Kevin's involved. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's president of the whole team, but his job is mainly the business end of the team and and getting the stadium built, obviously, where Ryan Poles is head of football operations. Mm-hmm. So, but can you have that meeting? Yeah, you can have that meeting. Um, but it's going to get down to you know, you got to have a serious discussion between Poles and Flus, and maybe Poles, Flus, and Kevin. Uh, and then, you know, go from there. But to me, 
like I said, I, after yesterday, I, I'm. It's time to make a change. He's just proven too much. We were expecting, you know, I was looking for the Josh Allen type jump in year three. Yes. Or Jalen Hurts jump in, in year three. Mm-hmm. And it's not, there isn't even an inch of a jump. He's going backwards. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's, he couldn't get the ball out of his hand as a rookie. Couldn't get the ball out of his hand last year. And he sure as hell isn't getting the ball out of his hand this year. And I'll say this about people can piss and moan about the offense, but if he makes the plays, are they pissing and moaning about the offense? Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying there? So it's a yeah. little bit, and I think, and I may be wrong on this one. I'm throwing, I, I admit, I'm throwing a dart at the wall on this one. But internally, do they not? Do they know that that's a problem and there's things that they just won't call because they know he's not going to execute it? Well, that that is the, the million-dollar question, right? So, for instance, Jeff Willis says, I can't believe we're having a real conversation about Bajan taking over for Fields. I still can't get over that stupid-ass play call for a pick six. So that the, those play calls towards the end of the game, the Bears are back – in their own inside their 20 they called a a screen pass that picked up about 10 yards or so well, it, and got, then it they, got a first down but chase got chase got hit with a a, a block downfield which in fairness was a was a good call yeah so so they they picked up yards and on the next play there was a penalty and now inside the five yard they called that same screen pass that they picked up 10 12 yards before and that's when justin feels through the interception so the question is is getsy calling these plays these simple screen pass plays because he doesn't trust Justin Fields to see the field downfield and he's trying to avoid an interception so he calls a simple screen pass or a safety, right? So you know, I, I I don't know I don't know what's the bigger problem here the the play calling or the quarterback or a combination. Well, no, right? yeah, I'm, see, I'm going to say this: make a change. Now that they probably, I don't know. I I mean, if it's me, I make a change with Bajan because I know what Nate Peterman is, and mm-hmm. I've watched Nate Peterman since he was a rookie in Buffalo. And I, you know, I, I think he's a sound backup quarterback in the league, but he isn't, you give him the starting position, he isn't going to win games for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where the other guy, we know he's got talent. Now, what, let's find out what that talent is because we're going to have to make a decision and you better be able to make the correct decision. Because mm-hmm. if you have to go out and draft your third first round quarterback in what, seven years or some eight years? You know, you better, and if you don't have to do it, that gives you, if, if he shows it, well, he might be the re, real deal. Now that gives you an opportunity to really do something with those other picks. Yeah, indeed. Um, a lot, a lot of people in the chat are are agree with you regarding Bajan. He could be the new Brock Purdy, but other people are saying, you know, you need to pump the brakes on, on Bajan. Wouldn't it be wise to just have at least 
promote Bajan to the number two quarterback so that at least for the next couple of weeks, he can have the responsibilities of the number two quarterback and start warming himself up to the, being the potential starter if the Justin Fields trajectory continues to go down. You know what? There, has the backup quarterback out in the game in the first two games? No. And you know what they're doing in practice? The exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Even so, the third the third stringer is doing what? Yeah, uh, doing the same thing. They're, they're getting a couple reps. They're getting a lot of mental reps. Well, actually, Bajan's getting more reps because he's going to be the scout quarterback mm-hmm. as a designated number three. So, and, and sometimes, you know, like you're, um, okay, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, their offense is going to be a little different. But if you're playing like a Green Bay or you're playing a Miami or something like that, pretty much playing the same offense as the Bears offense. They're mm-hmm. all derivatives of one another. They got very similar terminology. So it's actually more beneficial for the third quarterback getting reps in practice than the number two, because the third is your scout team quarterback. Okay. Um, Jeff is still bewildered by that play call. And he says, do, Greg, do you honestly think that Brady or Manning would have been on board with that screen pass call? Please give me your take. Um, that screen was almost like a center screen. I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the defensive end made a great play. I mean, you got you got to give him some credit. He had a stretch out, the arm tapped the ball, and he tapped it you know, right to himself and, and then walks in because he grabbed it at like the one and a half yard line. So that wasn't like a screen that you set up wide. Mm-hmm. It was more of, a, it wasn't a center screen, but it was more of an inside screen. No, I don't, I don't particularly like that play call. And especially, you know, it was almost like you knew it was coming because they just had success with the screen two plays before. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Chase got hit with the penalty. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I really, I've come to the realization, and yeah, I could be wrong, but come to the realization that they're reluctant to make some plays, play, make some play calls, yeah, because of the limitations that Justin has. Mm-hmm. I tell you, it was hard for me to, to like admit it because I kept going because I kept saying, you know, he's got the football character. He's not a dumb guy. Mm-hmm. But so he's missing. He's just not reading quick. He's not instinctive. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> those are innate. Yeah. You either got it or you don't. Well, and that's, you know, that's the one of in all of my years of experience in, you know, dealing with management and sports teams and so forth. When you notice that there's a mistake in terms of player personnel or worker, you know, in your organization, you've got to address it as quickly as possible. You've got to be big enough to say, all right, we made a mistake in promoting this people person or hiring this person or announcing that he's the number one quarterback or drafting this quarterback. And you've got to correct that mistake as quickly as possible. You are at that point with Justin Fields. Let's move on from Justin Fields. Let's take a look at Tyson Bajan. All right. Interesting. Uh, that's, that, that's what I do. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not over there making the decision, but I, you know, I've seen enough. Mm-hmm. And we're 0-2. 
You got a tough game this week on the road. Let's find out what kind of balls this guy's got. Interesting. All right. Well, another problem in yesterday's game, according to many fans, was the lack of running plays called. Here are the stats for the running backs. Khalil Herbert had seven rushes, seven carries for 35 yards. Rashawn Johnson, four carries for 32 yards. Most of those were on one play. Total team yards, rushing attempts. 16 carries, 67 yards. Four of those were attributed to Justin Fields, who got just three yards, and one of them to Valus Jones on an end around that he got minus one yard. What's going on with this running game? We can't blame this on Justin Fields, can we? No, but I knew going into that game they weren't going to run the ball. The interior... The interior defensive line of Tampa Bay is as good as there is in football. Mm-hmm. You aren't moving those guys off off the line of scrimmage. That run game is going to be tough. In fact, as soon as I saw that Dante Foreman was not active for the game, mm-hmm. right away I said they're passing this game. It's not a run game, and and they. They looked at it and say, what can we do? We got to throw the ball. But the guy who's supposed to throw the ball wouldn't throw the damn ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, I uh, mean, it, it all, to me, it all comes together like that. The game plan was to try to throw the ball. Mm. So, uh, back to the quarterback situation. Uh, what is Justin Fields' trade value at this point? We know the New York Jets might be interested in a quarterback. If they, they don't got anything to give them, to give me for them. A couple of uh, Rogers. A couple of uh, <laughs> ham sandwiches, maybe. <laughs> I'm there for New York, they might give you a pastrami. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, they might have. You know, that defense is loaded. They might have a piece uh, on that defense that could be beneficial, and then a future draft pick in 2025 or something like that. But another team, perhaps, that might be looking for a quarterback. Does does what is Justin Fields' trade value right now? What's your guess on that? Not high. Third round, fourth round. I I I I wouldn't. If I'm looking at the tape, I'm going. Mm -hmm. Why am I giving up anything? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there there could be an offensive coordinator. Now you're. I'm just going to say that. You get a guy, I can fix him. But you know what happens when you get a coach that says, I can fix him? Mm-hmm. He never fixes him. Never. Never. I've never seen anything. Well, maybe well, there I, might, might be an example. But I, I know I'm, I've done a reversal. The, the things he has are not physical. Mm-hmm. Okay? It, it's innate. And, and so... The physical traits are rare. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, you know, his, his athleticism. He's probably the most athletic quarterback in the game. He's got a real strong arm. Uh, you give him time and guys, I mean, you know, seven on seven, he's probably great most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, his anticipation and his instincts just aren't there. And so, you know, I, I've seen it for three years now. I'm repeating myself. I apologize. It's all right. Um, but then when I kept watching, yesterday, there were so many times when 
even if he just does the dump off to DJ to the left side, you pick up six. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he busts a tackle or gets a little, and you get 12. You're still moving the chains. You've got a positive play instead of taking a four-yard loss. Yeah, I, there are decisions made by the quarterback that are bewildering. There is no doubt about it. Jay Sanders disagrees with your take on Bajent. Uh, he says you're insane for saying that. you got to let Justin play out this year. Last year, Justin didn't turn it on until the third or fourth game. What say you? Uh, he, if he wants to think I'm insane, that's fine. You know, there's this – Insane asylum on Forest Avenue in Buffalo. I'll go check myself in. <laughs> um, at the corner of uh, Forest Avenue and, and Elmwood. <laughs> parked my car near there when I went to the Elmwood Avenue strip. Um, <laughs> the um, you should go by and go. There's a nut house. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like I said, I, I'm done. There's nothing anybody can say. Why are you? Why is he going to wait another week? Mm-hmm. Why, why? So you can see the same thing. Yeah. Well, I, I I think you know. In order to be totally totally convinced, Justin Fields is not your game. You got to give him more than two weeks. And I I, I agree. Give them all last year. Yeah, but I, I but now you finally given them weapons. The offensive line, you know, Tevin Jenkins will be back soon. You gotta, you gotta, you know, nurture him. It, it, here's what Matt Eberflus said after the game. I don't have the quote, uh, uh, the the video, but I'm paraphrasing. He said, "I saw improvement," and so at this point, and Brad Biggs wrote about it this morning in his. 10 Thoughts, an excellent column that you should, everyone should read at the Chicago Tribune. He said, at this point, what the Bears have to focus on is individual player improvement because it's highly unlikely they're going to win a division title. you got to look at improving the play of Justin Fields, the running backs, all these new players that you've collected. That should be the primary focus. You can't do that if Justin Fields is on the bench. Okay, so how many more games are you going to give him? Well, uh, <laughs> don't ask me that. That's Brad Why? Biggs. <laughs> I, you know, you asked me to give an opinion. I said I'd pull him right now and see if the other guy has it. I think it's too early for Tyson, though. I, I think, you know, midseason for Tyson would be when I want to see him. If we're 0-5, 0-6, or even if we won a game or two, but it's not because Fields played well – then, I, then I, I definitely want to see uh, Tyson Bajan because, yes, you're absolutely right. We need to know if we're going to draft a quarterback in the first round this next year, and we shouldn't wait to week 15, 16 to put Tyson in there to make that decision. That would be ludicrous. Well, I'm gonna to... say, okay, now here's my argument against that. Okay. The coaching staff knows if he's ready. Oh, okay. They know. They're working with him every day. Well, right. Okay, so they know – if he's capable, so if they don't think he's ready, mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, you can, uh, then they hold off a little bit. But if they think mentally, he, again, it's preseason, I, I get that. But what I saw in preseason, mm-hmm. dude was sharp now. 
Was. It didn't make bad decisions, got the ball out of his hand, has the ability to scramble, keep plays alive with his feet. Mm-hmm. Got a, He's got an equal arm to Justin, or pretty damn close to it. Mm-hmm. And he's freaking accurate. So, yeah. um, and they say that they've been surprised at how quickly he picks up things. Mm-hmm. And then I go back to college. I don't care what level he played at. He started more games than anybody, threw for more yards than anybody at any level, mm-hmm. and he threw 150 freaking touchdowns. Yeah. It's, it, 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 there's no doubt about it that he's impressive in many different ways. Jeff is persistent with the Bajan thing. If if Bajan is ready, you would think he would be the number two quarterback so he could get out. I already told you why. I already told him why. Say it again. Because the number three guy gets more reps than the number two guy because the number three guy is simulating the other team's offense. So he's getting more reps in practice. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, let's tackle some of these questions. I've starred so many of them. Uh, some of them may not be applicable because you've uh, already addressed them. But the, the latest one that just came in, Slick Sophistication, asks, what record did you think we would be at right now? One and one, two and oh. Oh, no. Two and oh. I think I – think I we- thought we were going to – I wrote it and I said it on here. I thought they had a good – I said this whole season is predicated on what they do the first four games. Mm-hmm. And three out of those first four games – were there for the taking, which was Green Bay at home. Green Bay's got a new quarterback. Tampa's going through a semi-rebuild, and you got Baker Mayfield. And I'll stand here today if it's not for Justin Fields. They win that game yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then you lose to Kansas City, and then you got Denver who's going through a, a rebuild, and they blew a big lead yesterday. So, And it's a road game. They were at home, and they blew that lead yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so – they come here and, and they're on the road. You know, I thought, okay, three and one. And if you get the three and one, now a lot of things can happen because you get momentum, you got to feel good and all that. But you know what? Now I think they're going to be on four. It's looking that way. Andrew Littlefield says, can you please give us an honest take on Poles' draft picks so far? Personally, I don't see any impact players, which which is concerning since we're in the middle of a total rebuild. Uh, the only thing that bothered me about trading the number one overall pick is that you lose the opportunity to get, you know, the best college football player. But I under, I understand the, the need for the trade because the team was so devoid of talent that you needed to add extra picks and you picked up one of the best wide receivers in football. Well, number one, I'll say, you know, what did I say a little while ago? Tyson Bajan outplayed the, those quarterbacks that all went in the top four picks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I did not think this was a great quarterback draft. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, they got a guy that, in my opinion, with that 10th pick is a future Pro Bowl right tackle. He's pretty freaking good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a nasty guy. Uh, I think Pickens and Gervon Dexter are going to be damn good interior defensive lineman. I got to tell you the truth. His two drafts have been pretty darn good. Okay. 
what some fans want is a splash guy. Right. Where okay, where he's drafted meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. So when I was in New York and we built good football teams, nor mm-hmm. I our our high picks were meat and potatoes. That's how you you got to build up your line. You got to have a quarterback, an offensive line, and a defensive line. Then you get the other stuff. Okay, you win the offensive, you win the battle of the trenches on on both sides of the ball. You got a chance in every game, mm-hmm. and yep. then get a quarterback. Get a competent quarterback. That would be nice. Um, let's see. Uh, Eric wants to know what you think of Jet Tyree Carter, how he looked in his first game. He was in at the right guard position because Nate Davis apparently was uh, out because of a personal reason. It's been reported uh, that he's got a sick family member, which is why he didn't yeah, play. Family member that died. Died. Oh, wow. That's even worse. Uh, our our condolences to know, Nate Davis. The whole thing was over that. The whole mm-hmm. preseason. Yeah. And you yeah. go back and, and some stuff starts to come together. And people were bitching to me on, on uh, X, you know, well, the Bears should have been more forthright and telling. I said, no, they shouldn't. It's nobody's goddamn business. Exactly. That's, you know, unless the player specifically says put it out. Right. It's nobody's damn business what personal problem a player has. Right. It's in-house. I mean, you know. Would, would you want, if you had something going on at your house, would you want me blabbing about it? Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. yeah. So he had a close family member. Nope. They haven't said it, whether it's a mother, a father, a, a child, a, a brother uh, who was gravely ill. Right. And that person died Saturday mm-hmm. and uh, Saturday morning. So, and that was, you know, you go back to that video, uh, Wednesday of opening week. And remember, he didn't practice. Mm-hmm. And there's a video of him. Ta- he's at practice, but he didn't practice. And there's a video ta- of him talking to Floose mm-hmm. right there in practice. I remember. And Floose gives him a hug. Yes. Okay. Yes. Does it all come together? Yes. You know, and people are taking and, and people are saying, you know, they never should have signed him, never should have did that. There's a lot of shit you don't know. Yeah. And you don't need to know because it's none of your business. Right. I, I totally agree with you. The, the Really, the burden is on us, the fans, to withhold, rushing to judgment, to withhold, snap tweets and so forth to blame people when we don't know the extent of stuff. We all do it. I know I've done it a uh, uh, hundred times and I always feel terribly guilty when I do that. And as I get older, I before I hit post, I, I think, do I really want to send this out? Because I may not know all the facts. And sometimes, you know, I still make mistakes. But hey, there's really whispers honest. last week that, that Williams got fired as a DC. Right. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah, bullshit. So what did you think but, about Jetari Carter? And, and honestly, I, 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 when I rewatched the game, I watched Justin Fields and I watched the receivers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did, and I did kind of watch uh, the inside play on the left side and uh, just said he can't play anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, he's gotten whooped two weeks in a row. Um, 
tackle play, they each got beat once bad. Some of that other stuff, you know, Patrick, I don't think has played that bad. The mm-hmm. little bit I watched at Tyree, he was fine. There was one time he, there was a, a twist stunt going on. He was late mm-hmm. picking up the guy, you know, the second guy mm-hmm. on the twist. Um, but I, I haven't watched enough and you got to watch the end zone copy. Right. To do that. That stay on after I got to ask you something about that. Okay. I'm having a problem with my game pass right. subscription. We can talk about that afterwards. Um, Let's get another couple of questions. What'd you think about, you know, Eddie Jackson uh, left the game early and Shaquan Brisker had an injury. He missed several plays, but was able to finish the game. But King is saying that our safeties overall are garbage. And that's part of the problem of us not winning. What do you think about the defensive back? I don't believe that. Um, The problem with Brisker is he was dehydrated. Now, part Mm -hmm. of that, I, I just from my own experience, Mm-hmm. That that's on him. Yeah, you know that that's failing to do what you need to do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yes, if you're dehydrated, unless there was, you know, you were throwing up Saturday night or something, and then that can cause dehydration the next day, especially when you're in that heat and humidity in, in Tampa, Florida. Well, I you know I don't know what the injury. It was a foot injury mm-hmm. to Eddie. Eddie, right. I don't know exactly what the injury was. Mm-hmm. I just hope it's not another list, Frank, because he's done if it is. Well, and, um, you know, he's done for the year if that's what it is. Uh, and it's, I think it's the same foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's done for the year and it's the same injury, he might be done, done. Because, you know, you just don't want to pay him then. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, for the... Because you go back to what I've always said, you got to get, if you're paying a guy 10, you got to get 10 million in production back. Mm. John says he's from Buffalo and he knows exactly where that nut house is. You've been there, John? <laughs> yeah. How much time did you spend in there, John? It's right next to the Buffalo State campus. Um, we, we're getting, I used to be a bouncer at, at Mr. Goodbar. Oh, which really? Cor- which is a, at the corner. Well, it's 30 yards from the corner of Elmwood Avenue and Forest. And... So the nut house is right around the corner. Um, it's called the State that, Hospital. A good movie, by it, by the way. Looking for Mister Goodbar with Richard Gere and Diane Keaton from the nineteen early nineteen eighties. Uh, a couple of people have said that because you're friendly with Ryan Poles, you're giving him a pass. He says, "Let's throw that guy that the GM didn't draft under the bus." Mister Gabriel is giving his buddy what, Ryan. What's Poles the guy that he didn't draft? Uh, I don't know what. What he's what he means. He by wants that. that. He wants that nutcase, Car- Jalen Carter. <laughs> yeah, I want to draft Jalen Carter. Even if ready to explode, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but How about you the just Georgia coaches throw him under the bus. Yeah, you can't take the chance with Carter. You couldn't. Not this team. You know, the Eagles. That was a good shot. The for Eagles them. were about the only team that. Because they had a very strong veteran presence, Bears don't have that yet. Exactly. You better know what's in your lo- in your locker room before you take on a problem. Yep. 
The Tooch wants to know, are the Bears the worst team in the NFL again? <laughs> it could be very – I don't know. No. It could be very close. Arizona's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I think Carolina – I don't think – I don't know if Carolina's going to win a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Tooch issued this – as soon as the show started, we kind of addressed it, but I'll ask it again. Do you think the Bears have the right coaches in place to develop a young quarterback? So, for instance, are, if Tyson Bajan does become the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears this season, are you comfortable with Janoki as the quarterback coach, Luke Getze as the offensive coordinator? Boy, without the guy playing, I can't answer it. Mm-hmm. What if the kid comes in and plays great? Then where was the problem? Right. You but follow what I'm saying? I do, but I also follow the question is just from us, from what you know of Getsy and Janoki, and I know Janoko is a, is a huge question mark here. I don't think he's ever done an interview that I've seen anyway. Um, do do you feel comfortable that these guys are quality you know, as an offensive coordinator, Luke Getzey has never called an offensive play in a regular season. In the NFL, NFL, he did in college. That's right. And Janoko was was never a a coach. He was like a, a ta- didn't he review tape or a quality? No, no, assistant? no. He, he's got Janoko's got experience. Okay. All okay, right. but and and that I I, I think part of it. Could it be it's the wrong guy? Yes. Is mm-hmm. it the wrong guy? I don't know. Because the guy who's supposed to be making the plays can't make a play. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back to you make the plays that you're supposed to make. You make the plays that were there. Yep. We aren't talking about it. Yeah. We're not having the discussion. And so... You always come up with, oh, you know, you got to fire the coach. You got to do this. You got to do that. Well, that's part of the problem with this damn town. They mm-hmm. want to fire everybody all the time. Okay. <laughs> when it comes to the, and I don't care what sport it is. They, they want to fire everybody, you mm-hmm. know, so you can't do that. But sometimes there's too much emphasis put on the coach and not an emphasis, enough emphasis put on the player. And who plays the freaking game? The player. You know, I can lead the horse to water. I can't make him drink. Right. But there's but there's three aspects of this, right? There's there's player evaluation and scouting. So th- those people responsible for that have to bring in the right players. And then you've okay, got but to did, but did they bring in this particular player? Nope. No, that is correct uh, regarding Justin Fields, right? And, and then the, the second aspect is you got to develop the players on the squad. So when you get down to those two aspects, Ryan Poles is the buck stops with him. He he had to uh, maybe look for a different quarterback, maybe an earlier round quarterback, or trade for a veteran quarterback who could have competed for Justin Fields. I know, like Mike North is been upset that in camp there's never been anybody competing with Justin Fields for the number one job. He's oh, he I, at least I, I thinks think that the, the, and this and I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure of this, but I'm 98 percent sure. Anybody who was inter- interviewed for that job, both positions, GM and head coach, yes, had to have a plan 
in place to develop Justin Fields. That was the prerequisite. Okay, so that was the given. He was the talent. So now you've had one season and two games, mm-hmm. but you've had two and and you've had two off seasons, yep. and you haven't seen one iota of improvement. In fact, if anything, he's going backwards. I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying, and that's for me as a Chicago Bears fan. And I got Justin Fields memorabilia here that I've purchased. I want him to succeed. But I cannot sit here and endorse his play. I know there's problems around him, but I still see that a lot of the issues stem from Justin Fields' play, and and that's that. Let's tackle a few more questions before we get out of here. Let's see. Uh, what do you think about, you know, fans are so frustrated. And as you just said, they, they, they want to fire everybody. But Island Mon, Island Mon, the Bears fans go to home games, buy merchandise, no matter what happens. Hence, winning doesn't matter to the McCaskies. What say you to that? That's, that, that's you know, having worked in that building and know all these people and know them pretty well, that mm-hmm. is so far from the truth. You know, that, that's just, that, that's neighborhood gossip. You know what? They, they, and when your team's not go to any city, there's 31 other cities you can go to, and they're going to say the same thing. Yeah. You know, Cincinnati's got a good team right now. Well, this year they don't, but they did the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before that, all oh, the Browns just want to make money. You know, and, and Mike Brown just wants to make money. They don't care if they win or they lose. You know, it's nonsense. I agree with you, uh, Greg. I would say this, that the one thing that I will blame the McCaskies for is that they could be better at running the entire organization. I'll give you one example. The idea that they hired a president and CEO before hiring, uh, after hiring the GM doesn't make sense. Things have to be in order. They knew Ted Phillips was going to retire eventually, so they should have moved up his retirement and put him on a retainer and give him the salary so he wouldn't. So that way, the new president and CEO could be a part of that search committee and have a say. So that way, there's cohesion as opposed to what doing what the Bears have done for decades. I I don't know if I agree with that only because it's the. The president, CEO, he's not a football guy. But he does have responsibility over the GM. He's the guy that can fire the GM today. Well, George can fire the GM today. Yeah, but uh, uh, don't you think that he's now given that responsibility to Kevin Warren? Yeah, I'm not avoiding the question. You got to see what's in the contract. No, I, I get you. And we don't even know what the contract, the contract links yeah, are yeah, for the coach. Then I'll go back to the other thing. And it's none of our business either. Yeah, I don't know about that. You no, know. it's not. It, it It's not. But the, but hey, Ted Phillips is the one who hired Jerry. Mm-hmm. Or fired Jerry. Right. Um, Jerry Angelo. Jerry Angelo is the one who fired Dick Geron. Good move. <laughs> Sorry, I just felt it was. <laughs> He's a nice man, but uh, uh, he did have success. He, uh, Jerron made the playoffs with what team was he coaching when he made the playoffs? That was our first year. 
Okay. 2001. And, That's right. You know, right. we were told when we came in, you can make a change. And mm-hmm. we didn't get the job till June. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's too late to make a change. They're already gone through part of the off-season program. And, um, you know, it was the middle of June when we got the job. And we were told, you know, you get you got to live with this coach this season. And then you can make a change. So that was the anticipation we had. And we are, especially through the first half of the season, we're scouting coaches from all over, you know, and and, um, making calls, trying to find out about people. It wasn't just Jerry. You know, I was involved in that. Bobby DePaul was involved in that. We're trying to find out as much as we can about you know, certain people, but then they started winning and Jerry had to keep them. Wow. Even though he knew it was a mistake. Yes. Yes. But he made the playoffs and he went like 12 and four or 13 and three or something like that. Yeah. You can't fire him then. Yeah. You can't fire him. The next two years were a disaster. Yeah. Interesting problem to have, right? Uh, The same thing happened. 2003. We start off, we go out to San Francisco, get shellacked. Mm-hmm. I mean, buried. I didn't go to that game. I'm on the road. And, you know, they because it was a <coughs> West Coast game, so it was played late, you know, the, after, the 3.30, 3.15 kickoff or whatever. Mm-hmm. They don't get back until 2, 3 in the morning. Jerry just came right to the office. He did. I mean, he just, because what happens, you know, the, the bus comes from the airport, they drop you off at Hallis Hall. Sure. And, and uh, you do uh, all the security is not done at the airport. It's done at Hallis Hall. You got mm-hmm. on the bus and then you're the, the plane, it's a charter plane. So it's in a special spot. You're not even going anywhere near the, the uh, main terminal terminal. Yeah. You're going to a, a different spot. And you just board the plane. But Jerry comes in. I got in probably seven. And I walked in. I said, Jerry, you got to fire him today. Me and Dick. He said, I, I can't. I said, Jerry, you got to do it. And he should have. But he, but he, uh, because that season was a disaster. Was. But that was, you know, the team was not, we had, Whole training camp, whole off season, and we went out there and lost by thirty points, thirty-five oh, points, something like that. And it was awful. we think we think we got a bad now. That he said the history of the Bears can we can point out other times that was just as miserable or worse. Michael Henneman wants to know since we're on the topic, what about my boy Chico? Dude wins in spite of every quarterback every damn year. He should have been our head coach for the past 15 years. You want to share anything about the release? Love him. Yeah, he's a great guy. I love him. Love what I happened with him. him and Lovey? Because Lovey uh, released There's stuff I just won't divulge publicly. It's just not right. I hear you. Um, I'll tell you off the air, but it, it um, wasn't a good marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and that happened. And put it this way. Ron pretty much knew, regardless if we're going to the Super Bowl or not, you know, I mean, knew that he probably wasn't going to be around. And I'll tell you one 
factual thing. So he officially gets let go just a couple days after the the Super Bowl. You know how right. long it took him to get a new job? About 24, 48 hours, right? No, how about 20 minutes? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Man, I wish I was that lucky. And I'm not lying when I say 20 minutes. That's great. Well, the published report said that Lovey was concerned that Ron was getting more respect from players and he wanted a friend, somebody he could trust to take over that job. Am I hot or cold <laughs> with that reciting? You're, you're, you're pretty warm. Okay. Now, see, there's, there's a backstory. Sure. Ron okay. was not Lovey's guy. He wanted Marinelli. Mm-hmm. which would have been a great hire. Absolutely. Tampa Bay, at that time, they've changed the rules since then. Mm-hmm. At that time, a coordinator didn't hold any special privilege over a regular position coach. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to let the guy take the, the job, mm-hmm. even though it was a coordinator job. And he was just the D-line coach in, in Tampa Bay, but he was a D-line coach when Lovey was the linebacker coach. And, you know, um, and, and Tony Dungy was the head coach. So they had a strong relationship. So when that didn't work out, we got him Ron Rivera. Ah, interesting to go back there and, uh, and learn about the machinations that go on, uh, behind the scenes. Let's get back to the present. Uh, James wants to know, do you think that Tremaine Edmonds, the star linebacker, big free agent acquisition is earning his money after two games? You know, it's uh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds is playing good, but he can't do it by himself. Right. I mean, you know, the guy's a good football player. I've, I've seen literally every step of his career while he was in Buffalo and the, he's been to two pro bowls. Yeah. Guy's pretty darn good player. And I think he's going to get much better as the season goes on. Familiarity with the players, I would, I, I bet you, he's still not a hundred, hundred percent. Given you know that he had the the preseason uh, an injury throughout the preseason, Tremaine Edmonds is not the problem with this Bears defense. That is not at all the no, case. the problem yesterday with the defense was the secondary. Mm-hmm. When you had you had three for most of, most of the first half. Basically, mm-hmm. three starters out. Yeah. And Tim wants to know, when your defense is predicated on forcing turnovers and you're not converting opportunities for those turn- turnovers, when is it time to make changes to the staff or scheme? And I'll add to that that Danny Shimon just dislikes this cover two scheme. He says it's it's been around so long, a lot of uh, offensive coordinators know how to attack, and he understands there's wrinkles to it, but he thinks that the cover two uh, is a dinosaur. Well, I guess it? it's I, I, I've been around the scheme so long, and, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people run variations of it. Mm-hmm. It's a sound scheme. Okay. The, but I'll go back. And the very first, you know, it was like the third play of the game, fourth play of the game. Brisker drops an interception. Now, it wasn't like it was an easy interception, it was right here. Mm-hmm. You know, so things change off of that play. You can't have opportunities like that and fumble them. Yep. You know, so 
it it's yeah it's a predicate you you want to you know uh force turnovers mm-hmm. they haven't been getting a lot but they had that opportunity and he didn't convert it mm-hmm. he think and like i said i said earlier if he converts it they got the ball first two minutes of the game in tampa bay's territory right and uh, Brisker uh, said that he apologized to his teammates. He should have had that ball, so he felt terrible about that. And then that. he got, you know, then the the dehydration sets in. Yep. Eddie loses his foot. Now, they, they went back there with a safety who's been here for two weeks mm-hmm. and a guy who was on the practice squad most of last year in, in, you know, playing on the deep end. And then you had a backup that you just brought up from the practice squad because your backup nickel had a pulled hamstring. So in essence, you had your third string nickel plan. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, you know, you got that in your secondary. You're going to get beat in the secondary. Yeah, you know, they got it. They got to play perfect. Just curious, wants to know: Do you think that Ryan Poles is listening too much to his head coach in regard to what he wants? instead of polls dictating, you know, what the player should be on the team. That's a, you know, it's an interesting question. You hired a head coach. So it's a partnership, right? Yeah, it's a partnership. The, <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of key things that <clears throat> you listen to the interviews during the week. And, you know, one thing slipped out and one was Getsy's interview. You, in fact, you sent me a, a text about it. Yes. Okay. Ryan Poles has control of the 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. Most general managers, the high, high, high majority of general managers in the league have control of the 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick has control. There's a couple coaches that have control. Um, Nick Saban did not become head coach of the Chicago Bears over that issue. Mm-hmm. when we hired Lovey because Nick wanted control of the 53 and Jerry wasn't about to give it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a GM's, that's the perk. That's why you want that GM job. You create the roster. Makes um, sense. Okay. Now, same time, you cannot force a player down the coach's throat. Player's going to fail. Right. Okay. If, if you try to do that, but generally speaking, the GM picks the squad. Coaches obviously have a say in the matter. Mm-hmm. If you didn't listen to them, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, but the final say, just like the final say in the draft, is the coaches. Now, generally the, speaking, the coaches are rather the GMs. Okay, good. Okay. Generally speaking, while the GM picks the roster, the coach determines who plays. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, a lot of that's contractual. And you sent me the text here in the week because Getsy right. said, well, Flus and, and Poles decide who's active and who isn't active. Right. And I'm sure there is a discussion. What I don't know, because I don't know what's in their contracts is who actually has the final say on that. Right. 
so here's the thing. He says Ryan and Matt make the decisions, and we build our game plans among around the decisions they make about who's active and inactive. And so I beg to ask this question: Doesn't that seem weird that you're, you know, the the general manager is a part of the decision making, and you got to make your offensive game plan or defensive game plan or special teams game plan around who the GM is making a decision should be active? Well, th- that's a tricky question because like I say, there's some guys that something's going to happen to them during the week. That maybe. too, right. So, and you don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Perfect example, Nate Davis. You went through the week thinking Nate Davis was going to start. So right. Saturday morning, he has a death in the family. All of a sudden, he's not going to the game. Right. Okay, so you got to make a change. But is putting Carter in there versus Nate Davis, mm-hmm. is that going to change your game plan? No, not, a, not in the slightest. Right. Um, you know, when you look at EQ now, EQ didn't dress yesterday either. Right. You know, so it's, I think the, the problem is they, they aren't getting out of Valus what they want to get out of Valus, and that's a, you know, real good return. Now they had him back returning kickoff yesterday, but he didn't get an opportunity. Right. But they don't trust him on punts right now, so mm-hmm. you got an extra receiver on the team to return punts, and that guy happened to be the leading punt returner in the league last year. So it's good, but he, but he's a, you guys are you know, a good returner, but right now, until he gets into the flow of the offense and he might not for the whole year, except for a play here, play there is he's taken up the roster spot and he's taken up EQ spot. Mm. So they want Tyler Scott to play and they're actually playing him in that position. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he's the more explosive guy. Right. All right. Let's uh, finish this up with one or two more questions. These questions just came in. I'll go with PZ first. Greg, do you think players, these players have gotten used to losing so they don't know how to win currently on an 11-game or 12-game uh, losing streak? It, it's a pertinent question because yeah. we've seen it with so many uh, organizations. What do you think? You, you can't learn how to win unless you win. Yeah. It's a very simple approach. It's, it's, um, it ain't easy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, I was watching golf late yesterday. And personally, I like Justin Thomas. There's a lot of fans that are pissed off that he's on the Ryder Cup team. Yeah. Doesn't bother me. Because um, I look at, like, the whole career, not just one particular season. Sure. But he's lost some confidence in his game. So Saturday, he's two strokes back going into the final round. Mm-hmm. And two strokes is nothing going into the final round in, in golf. But he ends up losing some strokes instead of picking up steam. And, and right, right, right away, I started thinking the pressure. He hasn't won now in so long, and he's been in a slump for so long. Mm-hmm. It's taken him. He, he's lost that that winning ability. 
You follow what I'm saying? So Absolutely. That, and carry, carry it over to football. These yeah. guys haven't won in so long, they don't know how to do it. Yeah. And so, and, and you got to, you know, once you get it and you start doing it a lot, then it becomes ingrained in you and you expect it. Yep. And unfortunately, the Bears are uh, appear to be a far away from having that kind of ingrained attitude. All right, final question, and then we'll pull the plug on this one. I'll stick around so we can talk, uh, Greg. James asked a question, do we need another safety? Do you know of any good safeties, either on other teams' practice squads or someone out there on the street? Well, if they're on the oh, street. we got the guy on the practice squad, JT Thomas. Is that his name? Um, Is it JT? Uh yeah, I'll, I'll double check. Go ahead. Um, he had a pretty good preseason. In fact, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to make the team. Uh, Second-year guy was on the practice. He got injured a little bit in camp a year ago and ended up on the practice squad. Big 6'2 kid, and he's physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, or you got the other kid they drafted from Stanford. So there's two safeties on the practice squad. Are there any vets out there? <clears throat> I'd have to go out. You know, I'd have to look. AJ Thomas. AJ Thomas. Yeah. What did I say? DJ Thomas? DJ, yeah. Okay. Well, I was close. You get points for that. <laughs> yeah. I think that I bet you right now that the team is inviting us potential defensive backs to come in and practice for the team. They've got to take a look. Well, that- tomorrow's usually the Tuesday's usually workout day. Okay. Because it's a player's day off. Yeah. And what happens, you bring in some guys, they fly in tonight or they fly in tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. They work out at Hallis tomorrow. If there's anybody they want, they give them a physical. You don't give them a physical first. Uh, perfect example, Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. And there was some uh, stuff out last week, put out early one by his, his wife that um, Tariq had signed with Carolina. So Scott Fitter, the GM, is a real good friend of mine, GM of Carolina. We work together in New York. So I sent Scott a text. I still I could read it for you direct. I said, a lot of rumors out there that you signed Cohen. Is there any truth to it? And he said he had a great workout. And That's we good. hope to sign him, but we're not going to sign him until he passes the medical and he doesn't take the medical to tomorrow. There's obviously some issues. So mm-hmm. all of that was false. It was all pending. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. It's all pending the medical. Sure. And so that's what happens. You get a yeah. guy, you bring the guy in for the workout. If he works out good, then you send him over to the doctors. Absolutely. All right, before we get out of here, this is a great question. I got to ask it to you as our final question here. Uh, it's from J2K. How many questions do we have? I know, I always have like 10, right? <laughs> J2K says, Is Pep Hamilton an option next year? And I'll add as to what? that, as uh, let's say a, a, a head coach or offensive coordinator, and I'll add well, to that Pep question. Was an option for the offensive coordinator here last year. Right. But here's what happened. And Pep had a great interview. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't told the story, I'll tell it. Pep knew he was going to interview for the job. So he called me. He goes, hey, I've been busy 
I, I know the Houston personnel. That's where I've been working all year. Right. You know, or the last two years. He goes, do you know the personnel? I said, like a book. Mm-hmm. He goes, can you write them up for me? I said, absolutely. So I spent the next few hours writing up the whole offense mm-hmm. and sent it to him. And then he flew in the next day and, and interviewed, but he told me then after the interview, he said, it's a good interview. I know I'm not getting the job. I said, why not? He goes, because he wanted that green Bay offense. Mm. He, and the reason why is he said, he always had a tough time defensing that offense. Interesting. Well, I, I got this question for you to add on to J2K's thought. If Pep Hamilton was the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears this season, would we be seeing better offense, better offensive play from the team than we are under the Luke Getze offense? Your guess, of course, it's a guess. I'm going to say this, what I've been saying all day. I mean, number one, yeah, it's a guess. But number two, the guy who's handling the ball has got to make the plays. Mm-hmm. Are you bitching about – is everybody bitching about the offense if Justin is making the plays? Yeah. It's right. real easy to bitch about the offense when no plays are being made. Right. Well, you know, and everybody, you know, I think there's a high desire to see this quarterback succeed. Justin Fields or a lot hey, of people. I, were... Front of the line. I was the front of the line. Right. Because, you know, I knew the football character. I knew the, the raw traits. But then it just, you know, and I wasn't making excuses. I just wanted to give it time. Give time. Right. And, and, but then. Yesterday, I like I said, I put up the white flag. That's it. I surrender. I'm done. <laughs> well, hopefully you will, uh, you know, uh, provide inspiration for Justin. He's going to turn things around and tear the league apart. Uh, and we could all have a good laugh over this podcast. People like Red Path are saying, remember, let's keep this podcast because by week six, Justin will be one of the most exciting players in the NFL. Let's hope you're yeah, right, well, Red Path. You know what? Yeah, I hope he's right too, but I don't think I – I think I'm I'm dead on because all this – he's not going to all of a sudden get the ball out of his hand real quick. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. You know, right. even on the two touchdown passes he threw yesterday – or no, excuse me, the one touchdown pass and then a couple other ones. He was holding on the ball too long. I agree. I totally, totally touchdown agree. Touchdown pass. If, if he throws that touchdown pass to Claypool, a tenth of a second later, the safety breaks it up. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, he should have thrown it a half a second earlier. Right. And you look at uh, Tua Tungavialoa with the Miami Dolphins. I'm just so impressed how quickly he gets rid of the ball. I mean, it's. I was thinking that I'm watching that last night. It's the same thing. I go, <sighs> see, it's yes. so fucking simple. It is. I mean, it really is that simple. My dog's getting upset again because I'm getting pissed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's. 
<laughs> Let's close this show with that thought. It is simple. Come on, Justin, get it done. We're willing to support you. We'll get back on the train right away. Uh, but I'm with Greg on this one. It's time to start thinking about a succession plan at the quarterback position. That's it for our show. Mike North, 11 a.m. tomorrow. Succession plan. It's let's find out what we got in the other guy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But at the same time, you, you, you better have scouts over at USC and every other school that has a, oh, a intriguing Colorado. Uh, I'll tell yeah. you what. Dion's that kid looks good. Special. Okay. One last, can I ask one last one? <laughs> <laughs> Mike North is endorsing Dion Sanders as the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. Do you think that's even a remote possibility? He's on record as saying Mike Eisen asked him that question Friday. He said, oh. absolutely not. Really? He said, College kids are at an age where I can make an impression. Mm-hmm. He said, when there's a guy in, in the locker room making 30 million, I can't make an impression of. Wow. That's honest. That's honest. And, he's and, and you know, he was one of those guys, you know, it would be 30 million now. Had he yeah. been playing at this time, but, um, yeah, I, I think he's he's doing what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so I I'll say this about him. First of all, they're gonna start losing some games. They don't have the talent, but mm-hmm. I think you know, I don't think they'll finish as a top twenty-five team. But there's a lot of people who don't like Dion, and so yeah. they're just praying for him to to fail. Yeah. He, he isn't gonna fail. He hasn't failed at anything in his life. Um but he's a, you know, the Dion, the talking Dion, that's for show. Okay. And if people hadn't figured it out, just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's totally for show. He's Muhammad Ali. He's, he's, yeah. he's got that right. uh, uh, personality. Absolutely. But Dion, the coach, he's as old school as you get. He'll rip your fucking heart out. Yeah. You know, and he works the hell out of these kids. And he's not afraid. 57 kids that were on that team last year are not out of this year. Most of which he said, you ain't good enough. Transfer somewhere else. Yeah. All right. I I know the answer to this question, but I I, 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 just quickly, I know the answer to this question, but I want you to (laughs) Exactly. Mike wants to know, what about Jim Harbaugh, Greg? Never. <laughs> He's a fucking nutcase. <laughs> See, I knew there was an F word. I knew there was another F word coming <laughs> when that question no, popped up. <laughs> hey, 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 that guy's a total nut. <laughs> I agree with you. Stay away from Jim. Hey, Harbaugh. put it this way. He was praying for a pro team to give him a job this year. Yeah. Because he knew he was going to get suspended at, at Michigan. Oh. And, and, you know, for some of the, uh, the off-field stuff, he was dying. Nobody offered him a job. He got a couple interviews. Nobody offered him a job. Yeah. Sanders might be right. We, we, need, we need a, a nut. Ditka was a nut. I, I think, you know, in order to kind of get this dark cloud out of Alisaw, maybe you need to bring in a head coach with a bigger-than-life personality, whether it's a nut or just somebody who really commands – the room. I don't. Yeah, I don't I'm not ready. To, I'm not ready to fire the coach. Yeah. Well, 
If you're, you're ready I'm to fire the quarterback. I'm ready to fire the quarterback. <laughs> I'm not ready to fire the coach. All right, that's going to do it. Remember, Mike North tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central. We'll see what he's got to say. And then uh, a bear their souls with Dan Aguirre and myself at 8 p.m. Central tonight. Goodbye, everybody. Greg, uh, I'm sticking yeah. around so we can talk. Yep.